If you have your copy of Scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, just reading verses 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. I'll give you just a moment to, uh, to turn there. Great words from the Apostle Paul about Christ and the humility in which he lived, he served, and he died. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5, a challenge for us as a church. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, I just want to thank you this morning for your precious Son, Jesus Christ, for opportunities, God, to look through your Scripture of who He is, what He has done, and what He continually does for us. Thank You, Jesus, for being our Savior, for loving us so much to bear our sins on the old rugged cross, that instead of the death and condemnation that we deserve, we can have life and hope and freedom because of You. May You be honored and glorify God in all that we do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, those of you who were here last week, you know that we are um, in the second part now of a series simply called What We Believe, where we're looking at what we believe as a church and uh, looking through some scripture on some of the foundations uh, that we, we believe as Christians so that we, we know what we believe and we know some in where the scripture uh, to look, to back up what we believe. Last week we talked about God the Father and uh, who He is and what He does. Now, uh, God's a pretty hard person to put in a 20-minute message or whatever. So there's a lot of Scripture and references there that we want to challenge you to look up. You know, we mentioned that the, the Bible has over 100 different names for God describing uh, who He is and, and what He does. In fact, the very term that we use often in worship Hallelujah simply means praise be to God, with Yah meaning it's a Hebrew name for God. Praise be to God. And I think as we we're singing the songs uh, this morning, talking about who God is and what He's done and who Jesus is and what He does for us, uh, my heart just cries out, Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We serve an awesome God. Today we're talking about Jesus our Savior, uh, some of who Jesus is and, um, and what He does for us, what He has done for us and His amazing love and grace. Uh, next week, we're talking some about the Holy Spirit. And uh, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit's one of the, uh, the part of the Trinity that we, we talk probably the least about. Uh, we often um, don't mention Him in, in sermons or messages, but we want to look through the Scriptures uh, about the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity and uh, how He is to be worshipped and honored. And uh, so, we want to look this morning some... Uh, throughout the scriptures on who Jesus is, 
who just was in his in earthly form as a man, as it says here in uh, Philippians 2, uh, but who he is as, um, in his role as God's son in bringing our deliverance, our freedom, but who he is in being fully God as well. And uh, we're going to look through several scriptures. I'm also going to give you several references that there's just no way we could look through all the scriptures that have to do with Jesus. In fact, even the references don't even touch uh, really on all the references to Jesus and who he is and what he does. So I just want to challenge you, read the whole Bible. Uh, read it through because you see Christ uh, in, in every book of the Bible, not just in the New Testament. You can see the references to him as our coming king and savior. And so I want to challenge you to, uh, to read your Bibles. But I will be giving you several references that you can look at throughout the week. And so if you can jot those down and do that, that would be wonderful. Now, the world, we'll just start by this, the world recognizes that Jesus lived. The world recognizes that there is a historical Jesus. Now, you would know that Jesus was quite a common name in his time, so there's, there's quite a few Jesuses out there. In fact, Jesus, or Jesus, which is the, uh, the Spanish version of the word Jesus, is still quite a common name. There are a lot of Jesus out there. And, uh, but the, the world will recognize, history will recognize, society recognizes that there was a Jesus Christ that the Bible talks about was a historical person. He did walk and, and talk on the earth. But the world recognized him as very, being very different to how we would as a church. The world see Jesus as he was a wonderful teacher. He was an amazing teacher. Everywhere Jesus spoke, the scriptures speak of, and uh, historians, church historians like Josephus speak of crowds gathering everywhere Jesus went. In fact... The Bible gives quite a few references to the fact that Jesus couldn't get away from the crowds. Everywhere he went, people would just see him and be drawn to him because of his amazing teaching abilities was, was part of that. And Jesus was known around the world and still in history known as being uh, a prophet or one who brought the word of the Lord. Now, a prophet is not only one who, from Old Testament times who says this is what's going to happen, but Jesus talked about uh, his fulfillment of the kingdom of God, he uh, brought to life the scriptures and revealed God's word. Many people recognized that Jesus was a king, and they would say he is the king of the Jews. Now, the, the, the Jews would not recognize that, but the Roman government, through their histories, recognized that Jesus was a great leader of uh, the Jewish people. Some would say Jesus was a great moral and ethical leader. And some of his writings... Uh, namely the, the Sermon on the Mount found uh, beginning in Matthew chapter 5 is uh, one of the most famous speeches in all of the world. And it's written down there. There's still books uh, written with the Sermon on the Mount on there. So Jesus is written with his speech here on... Uh, and then the next page might be something from Martin Luther King Jr. or uh, things like that. He's, he's known as a great ethical leader and someone that you go, you know, he, he spoke some good words. He was a great religious leader. But you see, Christians, meaning those who know him and those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, recognize that Jesus, yes, he did many of these roles and he did many of these things, but Jesus is much more than that. And so when you come to church, you hear all of a sudden words like Jesus is Savior. Jesus is our friend. Jesus is a revealer of God's mercy and grace. Jesus is love. Jesus is sacrifice. Jesus is our salvation, our hope, and our peace. Aren't those very different ways of looking at Jesus? Now, 
how we view Jesus depends on whether we know about him or whether we actually know him and we surrender our hearts and lives to him. He certainly did all these roles. He was a teacher. He was a king. He was a moral and ethical leader, a religious leader of sorts. And he's simply, certainly our savior and our friend, reveal of God's mercy and love and grace. But I want to say this morning, we can know not only who he was and what he did on his earthly uh, form for those 33 or so years, uh, but who he is and has been for all of eternity. You see, we want to recognize first from the very beginning that Jesus, Jesus is God. He is fully God. Uh, he has been uh, from the very beginning, from the beginning of time, uh, Jesus from the beginning of our time, Jesus has always been. He was with God from the creation of this world. Uh, he has always been and, and will forever be. And so while he lived on his earthly form for these 33 years or so, uh, Jesus uh, is fully God and, and always has been. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the very beginning. And this beginning is talking about the beginning of creation. In fact, the same uh, word for word there that says uh, the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, that same word is used in Genesis, uh, which is talking about the creation of the world when God spoke or breathed the world into existence. Uh, Jesus is that, that word, the spoken word. Uh, and Jesus is the, the word of God with God from the very beginning. John chapter 10, verse 30 Jesus himself says, I and the Father are one. He who has known me has known the Father. And uh, John chapter 16, verse 3 says, To know the Father is to know Christ, uh, Jesus. They are one and the same. In John chapter 16, verse 15, uh, Jesus says, All that belongs to God the Father is his. Uh, they are one and the same. Jesus is fully God with all of God's power and all of God's authority. He's not only with God from the very beginning and has all that power and authority, but Jesus was able to live a perfect life, one free from sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, He committed no sin and no deceit was ever found on his mouth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 is a great passage. If you read through Hebrews chapter 4, it says, We have a great high priest in Jesus Christ, not one who's like another priest who might not have been through the same temptations, but we have a great high priest who was tempted in every single way, just as we are, and yet he never sinned. We have a wonderful Savior in Christ Jesus who we can take those sins for, and he was the only righteous and perfect one who could bear our sins on the cross because he's the only one who lived on this earth, or ever will live on this earth, who lived a life without sin, although tempted in every way. He was fully God and had all the power and authority of God, but he was tempted in every way like us as, as man, and yet he lived a perfect and a sinless life. We also want to recognize Jesus is part of the Trinity. We talked about last week, the Trinity being God the Father, the Son, and Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that we'll talk about more next week. Uh, and uh, we have references to that like at, um, at Jesus' baptism, which we find in Luke chapter 3, in verse 21 and 22, we see the beautiful picture of Jesus standing here being baptized by John, and a voice comes from heaven that says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit comes down 
uh, in fleshly form, in the form of a dove. And we see the, the beautiful picture of the Father and the Son and the Spirit together. But we want to recognize that Jesus is not only fully God and had all God's power and authority, uh, but He was fully man. And you think, well, how can He be both? And I just think, He's God. I, I don't know. He's, he's fully God and fully man. He walked with us. He, he, he talked uh, like us. And there are many, many references to the humanity side of, uh, of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, actually alludes to that, where Paul is saying he had all the majesty and glory of heaven and was willing to give all that up to walk in the form of a man. Now, some of you think you're pretty amazing, I know, but you're not God. God was limitless. And we talked last week how God can be, He's omnipresent. He can be all places at all times. He is all-knowing. Christ gave all the, much of this up. He still had all this power and authority, but he, he was willing to be limited like us. We can only be one place at one time. We, um, you know, we're so limited uh, in many different ways. Jesus, all of a sudden, as a man, the Bible says, he felt our emotions. He felt our needs. John chapter 11, verse 35. If you ever want to be able to quote scripture to someone, you say, I know a verse. You can learn this verse. Okay, it's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. John eleven thirty-five simply says, Jesus wept. And I love it because you can at least, everyone can say you've learned at least a Bible verse this morning. And uh, you can all go home and quote this verse. Okay, so Jesus wept, John eleven thirty-five. What he's talking about is John's friend, Lazarus, has died. And when Jesus hears about Lazarus passing, the Bible simply stops and says, Jesus wept. He loved his friend. And that loss of a friend uh, brought him uh, to tears. Jesus loved as we do. Jesus grew hungry as we do. Now, one of the biggest understatements, I think, in the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. It says, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I think that's a pretty big understatement. And it, it could probably say, once Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was no longer a Baptist. <laughs> because we, we, we just wouldn't go there. You think, oh, that's a long time to go without food and water. But it says he hungered when he went without food. Jesus was limited just like we were. He had to eat to get energized. He was thirsty. John chapter 4, verse 7, Jesus goes up and he sits at the, the well and uh, to the woman at the well there, he says, would you give me a drink? Jesus knew heartache. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 37, Jesus is going into the garden to pray. And he's got a couple of his disciples there. And he keeps coming up and he's praying and he's, he's crying out to God. Because he knows what he's about to face at the cross. And he's crying out for the sins of the people. And he's saying, God, if there's any way that this could pass for me, then let's go that way. But I'm going to be faithful to follow you. And Jesus keeps coming back and he sees his disciples are sleeping. He wakes them up and says, look, keep watch. I'm going to be praying. And then in Matthew chapter, um, Matthew 26, verse 37, it says, He was sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. To the point of death as he's praying for our sins and what he must go through jesus grew tired uh, when he was sitting at the uh, the well uh, talking with a woman and waiting for a drink it says he had grown tired because of the long journey he'd been on 
Jesus is fully man. He was limited like us. He walked and he talked. He grew up uh, like any of us. He was born into a family. His father was a carpenter. And he would have naturally, as a, a young Jewish man, would have learned the trade of his father. And so Jesus would have uh, been, been trained as a carpenter, would have been working as that all of his, uh, most of his, his life. And it wasn't until he was 30 years of age, the Bible says, that he uh, began his ministry. And he was baptized and he started to perform his miracles. Jesus, we need to recognize, is God revealed. God in flesh. God's love, God's grace, God's majesty and power walking and talking amongst men. He was an amazing teacher because he was truth himself. He was the word revealed. And, and there are many scriptures and, and, and the, the Sermon on the Mount is filled with that starting in Matthew 5 in which Jesus just revealed God's love and God's law to the people. You see, the Jewish people that Jesus was talking with especially were, were ruled by the law. And they knew the Mosaic law, the, the laws of Moses in the Old Testament. They knew Abraham's structures and all these things. And they followed it to the letter of the law. And they would say things like, Oh, the law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus says, Yes, I know that that's what the law says. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Care for those who reject you and, and, and seek your end. Jesus says, people say, well, how much am I supposed to forgive my brother? Because the, the Jews were very uh, legalistic on this. And they would say, look, if, if someone brings something to you, you have to carry it so far. But after you've carried it that distance, you've, you've done your job. You've, you don't have to do anything else for them. Jesus says, I want you to just pick it up and keep carrying it. Uh, keep on serving your brothers. Keep on serving others. He revealed God's word. He revealed God's will. And Jesus went so far. When people said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was God's word revealed to the people. Because they were looking for legal ways in which they could follow God. How can they win their way into heaven? How can they do enough right or enough good? How do you know if you've done enough? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one will come into the Father except through me. Now, I also want to simply say, Jesus is amazing. Now, this is, a, a, again, a big understatement. But Jesus is simply amazing. Now, he had an amazing birth because Jesus was born of a virgin. And we believe, uh, as the, the, the Scriptures teach us, that um, God, uh, through His Holy Spirit, came on Mary when she was, uh, she was young. And uh, she was only engaged. She wasn't uh, married to her husband, Joseph. And they'd never been together. And yet she come uh, together with, with child. And uh, the, the angel comes to Mary and says, You are with child. And you're going to call the na His name Emmanuel. God with us, and Jesus will save the people from their sins. Jesus not only had a miraculous birth, a miraculous conception, miraculous birth, but Jesus lived an amazing life. I just think it's amazing that he lived an entire life on earth with all the temptations that they face without sin. Now, 
have to forgive me if, uh, if you're a tradie out there, uh, you're a, a carpenter, a plumber, or whatever it is, but I don't know how many of you have been around tradies very much, but it's hard to be a lot of, around a lot of tradies without uh, the negative language or uh, inappropriate language or uh, some of the jokes and different things coming out. And I just think Jesus served all his life as a tradie without sin. And so that's a big, uh, a big thing in itself. And um, it says not only did he not sin, but he says not even, uh, not even anything inappropriate was ever formed in his mouth. Jesus lived an amazing life full of grace and love. His ministry didn't begin until he was about 30 years of age, but all the miracles he performed. And in fact, the Bible doesn't even begin to name all of the miracles. You might say, well, I think he might have done more than that. I think absolutely he's done more than is recorded. These are some of his disciples' best recollections, just some of the, the bullet points, the great things that he has done. And um, he only had these three years or so that he did this before he was crucified. But all oh, what a difference he made in the lives of those who have need. They say of, uh, of pastors or ministers that Jesus prepared for 30 years for about three years of ministry and that a lot of pastors want to prepare for about three years for about 30 years of ministry. That we have it a bit, bit backwards. Now, I don't know if we should go to seminary or a theological college for 30 years or so, uh, but I think there's, um, there's something in that. Jesus knew God's Word. He knew God's law. He knew God as God Himself, and yet He waited in God's timing and God's ways to start revealing that truth and all the miracles He performed. There, there were natural miracles, and Jesus turned water into wine. He changed the natural elements of things. Uh, at one point, He stopped the, the sea, a raging sea, and Jesus just raises up His hand and says, Peace, be still, and all the waters, uh, the raging waters, are calm. Jesus performed physical uh, miracles, and he, he brought sight to the blind, he healed the sick. He raised the dead to life. And his friend Lazarus in John 11 is one of those examples in which Lazarus had been dead. Uh, and he had been dead for, uh, for several days and he had been wrapped up and in this tomb, sealed in the tomb. And Jesus actually goes up and says, I want you to roll the stone away. And uh, his, his own sister actually says, Oh, surely, surely by now he, he stinks. Like the body stinks. He's gone. And he's been gone for some time. And Jesus said, roll the stone away. And he looks up and he just says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up and walks out of the grave. Jesus had all of this power and authority. And he used it to provide such healing and hope. Jesus performed spiritual miracles in which he cast demons out of people. He forgave sin. Now, according to any of the Jews whether it be Pharisees or Sadducees or Zealots or any of these uh, ruling classes of, of Jews, they believe only God had the power for, to forgive sin. Jesus would say to a lame man who was brought down, whose friends brought down to the roof to see Jesus to be healed, he didn't touch him and say, all right, now, now you're healed. He just looks and says, stand up, take up your mat, because of your friend's faith, you were healed. And your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. To others, he simply said, your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk to those who were lame, uh, those who were broken. Jesus not only had a miraculous ministry in the way that he used God's power and authority to bring hope 
and healing to others. Jesus had a miraculous death on the old Roman cross. Now, a common way uh, of crucifixion, a punishment for, uh, a capital punishment for uh, the most severe of criminals. But Jesus went through all of this for no reason of his own. Like, he, he had no sin, no wrong that he had done. But he went through this, yes, to appease the crowds, but also to fulfill Scripture. Isaiah 53 uh, is a beautiful passage about the crucifixion of Christ several hundred years before Christ was ever born on earth. And that Jesus bore our sins and paid our price on the cross. Some other great references about the crucifixion I'll just give to you. Romans uh, chapter 5 verse 8 talks about why Christ went through all of this. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 11 to 13 as well. Second uh, Corinthians 5 14. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, all of it says this was God's plan. He had it ordained from the beginning, and Christ was willing to walk through this road to the cross for you and for me. But not only was he willing to, to do this amazing thing, but the, the death he actually experienced was a miraculous death. And in the moment he died, the Bible says in Matthew's account of the crucifixion, the Bible says there was an amazing earthquake. And darkness filled the sky. Now, this is in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, the sky went black. Darkness filled the area. There was great fear and trembling among the people who were around. There was a massive earthquake, and the the ground was shaking. And people who were in the graves raised from the dead. The, The veil that was in the temple that divided the people from the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest went. The Bible says the moment Christ died, this veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom allowing access for people to go directly into the ex, uh, into uh, the fellowship with God, into a place with God. There's an amazing death in which Jesus looks down from the cross just before he dies. And the people who were yelling at him and, and spitting on him and beating him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't realize what they're doing. That is grace. Live down. An amazing birth, an amazing life, an amazing death, but an amazing resurrection. I think a resurrection, in, in a sense, is, is amazing. Now, Jesus performed resurrections. He raised people from the dead. But here, Christ raised himself from the dead. Luke chapter 24 talks about Christ being dead in the grave and ladies coming to his tomb to, uh, to anoint the body, as was their custom of doing. And when they get there, they find out an angel sitting there saying, Why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. He's risen. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why do you come to a grave looking for Jesus? You're looking in the wrong place. He's risen. He's alive. Jesus is risen. And he appeared to to several people after his resurrection. He appeared to a couple men on the road to Emmaus. And he walked with them and talked with them. And I love this picture because they were amazed as Jesus started from the Old, script, the Old Testament, the, the Jewish Scriptures, and he started teaching about himself. Now, he should know that Scriptures pretty well, shouldn't he? He started revealing the Scriptures to them, and they were amazed at how he knew the Scriptures and how they experienced him. And then when he's uh, saying a blessing in the meal, he disappears before them. And they say this great word. They say, surely our hearts burned within us as he was speaking. Jesus himself walked with them. He appeared to Mary just outside the tomb. She thought he was a gardener at first until he said her name, Mary. 
He appeared to his disciples and later came back actually to appear just to Thomas because Thomas wasn't with him at the time and doubted that he was really alive. And so he, he appears again and Thomas is there and he says, Thomas, come up to me. Put your hands, put your, your hand in my hand and feel the scars where, where the nails once were. Put your hand in my side and you'll feel where the spear went up and pierced my heart. It is me. I have risen. He appeared to more than 500 others, the scripture says. Jesus is alive. Jesus ascended into heaven. And his disciples saw him as he rose into heaven. And he says, just as I'm going, I'm going to come back. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, he said, I'm coming back. And I want you, in the meantime, to go into all the world and, and preach and teach everything that I've shown you to do, baptizing in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Live out my love as a church. And he rises into heaven. Jesus is going to have an amazing return. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 says, Jesus, Jesus will be coming back for us. He will return just like he left. The Bible says he will return in the twinkling of an eye. Now, there's more of this to come when we talk about the second turn, coming of Christ. But I want to say, we as a church need to not be confused or, uh, or surprised when Jesus comes because he has promised us in his word, just as he promised how he would live and how he would show God's love. He promised how he would die and how he would raise from the dead. He promises that he will come back for us as a church, and we need to be ready for that. The Bible challenges us as a church to live each day as if it's our last. We don't know the day and the hour. In fact, the Bible says Jesus himself at the moment doesn't know when he's going to return. Only that knowledge is with, with God the Father. But when Christ is to return, he will allow us as a church uh, to be with him. And we as a church need to do more than just show that Christ existed. The world knows that. They, they recognize the historical Jesus. They recognize someone who was a great teacher of, of morals and ethics. They recognize someone who lived and died and, and, and served in uh, the Jewish community. We need to show Christ in his love and his mercy and his grace as he is revealed in our hearts as we surrender to him. We need to live out Philippians chapter 2. It says, we as the church of God need to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It becomes obvious who Jesus is when you move from knowing about Jesus to knowing Him. We mentioned last week, Revelation 3, 20, where God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, and comes, uh, if anyone opens the door I'll come in and I'll have fellowship with Him and He with me. Galatians 5.22 says, Once we know Christ and His love is revealed in us, the fruit of that Spirit will be revealed in us. God's love and God's grace, you can know this day. You can know His mercy and His grace because the amazing thing about 
Christ. So one of the many amazing things about Christ is that he knows you. And we talked about how much God knows you. Jesus knows you, and yet he was willing to pay the price for your sin, for my sin on that cross, so that you could have life. Because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. All of us deserve death and separation from God. But Christ loved you so much that he gave his own life. The only one who was perfect, the only one who was without sin, gave his life as a payment for your sin so that you could have life and hope and freedom. And it's available for you this morning. I just want to say, I'm just going to ask our musos to come. And just as we sing this last song, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I've always known about Christ. I know who Jesus is, but I don't really know him in my heart. I've never given my life to him. I want to ask you just to surrender your life to him today. Say, you know what, Jesus, I recognize what you've done for me. And I want to say, you know what, I'm sorry for my sin. And I want to ask you, God, to forgive me. I want to promise you, I can promise you on the authority of God's word, as you come this morning and you say, God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to be part of my life. God will show you such mercy and grace, forgiveness and hope. He knows you, and yet he loves you. And he wants to share his hope of glory with you this morning. If God is dealing with your heart in any way, I just want to ask us all to stand this time. If God is dealing with your heart and life in any way this morning, I want to ask you to just come and give your life to Christ. Follow him in whatever way that is he's leading your heart. Maybe you just want to come down and, uh, and kneel down here and pray. Maybe you just want to give something over to God this morning. Maybe you want to give your very heart to him. Maybe you want to join in the fellowship of the church. However God is leading you this morning, we pray that you respond as we pray, as we sing.